Hi everyone, I'm Alex York. We are at the Founders Forum in New York City. I'm here with Ben Yendrusak, the COO and co-founder of Sion. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So I want to talk about the inception of Sion and the business. I heard that you kind of got into the fraud protection space accidentally. You guys were doing something a little bit different before you found kind of this niche that you wanted to, you know, venture into. Walk me through that story. Tell us about kind of your accidental um, approach. Sure. sure, absolutely. Eight, nine years ago, we were good university friends with my co-founder. We were crypto enthusiasts. This was back when cryptos were nowhere near as popular as they are today. And we started building a crypto exchange back then. And after starting to accept credit card payments, we were faced with a bunch of fraud. So people were filing chargebacks, they were paying with fake credentials, fake identities. And, um, and that's when we looked at the fraud prevention space. We needed a solution. Um, we looked at the fraud space. There was all these providers out there. They were all aiming for for an enterprise sales motion. We were too small of a client uh, to be considered by them. So we built our own internal tool. And here we are today where we completely pivoted into developing this full-on fraud prevention suite. And um, today we're serving over 400 clients, post series B, uh, four different locations within the world. Um, yeah, very proud to, to be fighting fraud every day. Yeah, very cool. Walk me through the different iterations that you guys have come about in the growth of the company. With any business, so much changes year over year. So when you started eight, nine years ago, I'm sure the idea that you had or the idea that you stumbled into is very different from how the company functions today. So what are some of those differences and similarities between the company function? Very different, like you pointed out. I mean, I can clearly recall us being a two-man operation and then a five people sitting in a room together and iterating and then slowly, you know, us renting a, a, a flat in the central center of Budapest and then sitting there 15 people and now just 250 employees sitting all over the world. Um, very, very, very different. I think like the biggest thing I would point out is probably our our last year and a half where it's been so transformational up on up after a certain point where we had to realize that you know what we've built so far from a go-to-market perspective or even our processes of of engineering we're probably gonna have to strip it down um, and rebuild it mm -hmm. so like if you look at um, fat muscle and bone let's let's make the leanest and the meanest version of ourselves mm -hmm. um, definitely not cut into the bone but then um, but then pretty much start rebuilding um, in some in some areas from the ground up and that's from a go-to-market perspective we've we've done a huge transformation over the past year um, and also right now we are doing a similar thing on the engineering side where it was once what we were doing was a wild west internally from a process and framework perspective and now we're much more mature um, from, from that side. Yeah, and going through that process, what have been some of the things that you realized are priorities and things that you either do really want to focus on from the ground up or you know keep as part of that lean machine moving forward? Sure, well, I think as with every company over the past year and a half, operational excellence mm -hmm. is a huge topic of discussion. And I think right now that is the focus area for us. So if I, 
if I think about what this year holds for us, what next year and the year after holds for us, I think this year truly is about operational excellence and our whole company is very uh, much aware of that and oriented towards that. Next year, I think, is refining some of our features so that we can, we can pretty much become a full-on um, sort of uh, fraud prevention system of record to fraud managers, so the sole fraud provider um, to any company out there, uh, whether that's you know around identity verification all the way to uh, analyzing the digital footprint, which was our unique selling proposition from day one. And then if I look at two years from now, that's really about like how are we going to be the market leaders within this segment of fraud prevention and what are the innovative technologies which we have to bet on today in order for us to be the market leader and for companies to look at us as an innovative company out there. Yeah, speaking of product innovation, so much has happened over the, the past five years, the past two years in terms of new technologies popping up. How do you see those new technologies, whether that is this, just the surgence of crypto or AI or all those sorts of things, how do you see your company functioning knowing that more and more of those are gonna pop up in the future and you're gonna have to navigate while still staying ahead of the curve? Sure. I have a couple of thoughts around that. I mean, you mentioned AI, everybody's talking about AI, there's an AI craze. Are, are, is it here to stay or not? Too early to tell. Probably, um, I mean, it's not too early to tell. It's here to stay, but who the winner is going to be, mm -hmm. that's too early to tell. And I think if you're not a company like, uh, like OpenAI or Google, um, then then you really have to focus on what the particular use case is that you're serving and like can you build AI on top of your application layer that is going to serve a specific use case and is going to make the life of your customers much easier mm -hmm. because probably Google or OpenAI is not going to develop any of those features because they're focusing on their core products, right? Um, and in our case, what that means to us is how can we apply um, any form of, of AI technology on top of our current application layer, which is gonna make the life of our customers easier or even result in cost saving or higher accuracy for them. And that is what the, the future horizon holds for us, which I was alluding to as in who's gonna come out as a winner within the fraud prevention space. And that's what we're actively working on right now. Yeah, you mentioned there that it'll help your customers, but I'm sure that it will help you as well to start tapping into those technologies and implementing it into your company. How are you thinking about those decisions moving forward while still staying lean, like you were mentioning? The good thing is, uh, you know, there's a lot of companies at our stage who raised capital over the past two years. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the winners, like it's, it's hard, again, Hard to tell what the Series C onwards is going to hold for us in the um, in the next year and a half because there, there's talks even out here that like all these mid to late stage investors, you know, it's kind of going cold that area. Nobody knows what the valuations are, so it's unclear. The good thing is, as we've become the the leanest and the meanest version of ourselves, our cash burn rate has become very efficient so like we we have a very 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 we've extended our run, runway uh, we are most of our company is based out of hungary mm -hmm. which from a cost perspective is very we're, we're very efficient um, and so i think truly we still have enough buffer and room to make some bets which you know we've we've taken a look at the market and again they are bets but we do think 
that as we're placing our chips, we're betting on the future of fraud prevention, and this is what's going to result in you know us becoming the the best player out there, the market leader in a couple of years' time. Yeah. From both a consumer-based perspective and also a business-running perspective, what are the biggest differences between how the business functions in Hungary or in you know Europe versus in the U.S.? Are the markets very different? Are you approaching either customers or your teams differently? Very different. From, a, from an employer perspective, but all the way to just a go-to-market mm -hmm. perspective, um, the EMEA market, the the Asia-Pacific market, the LATAM region, and the US region are very different. And hence the reason why we, we didn't focus on the US market for a very long time. We had plenty revenue from LATAM, APAC, and EMEA, but like maybe between five and 10% of our revenue share two years ago was from the US market. And we consciously wanted to start building out a team here because we knew that if we don't have uh, a team sitting out of the U.S. We're not going to be able to sell here. I mentioned to you just off the record that you know through COVID, um, we started building out this team. We initially failed because there was no leadership here. So then I moved over uh, beginning of this year. We also hired uh, our CRO out of Austin um, about six months ago, and now we're building a truly a sales engine in the U.S. And, and a team who's going to be able to serve this market effectively. And we're already seeing signs of that revenue share uh, gaining traction within our portfolio. All founders, young or old, are inevitably going to come up on some sort of failure, that, like you mentioned. What is your advice for young founders today and how to pivot or how to determine what the next step is? I think embrace the failure. That's one. Like <laughs> We've always done that. Second thing is, um, optimize for so like don't I think we were a little late to realize when we had to sort of cut back into some of the muscle using that analogy again like you know don't be don't be afraid to to go back a couple of steps and start rebuilding from there even if that means tearing down and breaking away from previous thought processes mm -hmm. and I think we were a bit late at times to do that but now that I've I've I see the pattern. I would have, like, I would advise anybody if you feel something is going off, it probably is going off, um, and like, try to bring everything back onto the correct trail and don't be afraid to, like, even tear into previous processes that you built already. It's going to work out better once you come out the other end. Yeah. What do you see as the biggest opportunity for you and the company in fraud prevention or new technologies right now? Like I mentioned, AI is. Everybody's talking about it, and I do think wh whoever's going to be winners in the market, like building, building on top of, I don't want to repeat myself, but building on top of your application layer, that is a big thing. And within fraud prevention, you have to understand that like these fraud managers who are using our tool and the companies that we're selling to, they're heavily reliant on our system because mm -hmm. we're monitoring their transactions or registrations 24-7, 365. So if even incrementally, they can, they, they can e more easily understand their own data, their own fraud trends, or even incrementally, we can suggest better rules for them with the help of AI. Or, you know, it's easier to interact uh, with our graphical user interface through an LLM rather than them trying to set up their own filters and so forth. Um, then clearly, we're going to be we're going to be a net value add to, mm -hmm. to them. Uh, and, and if we 
deeper dive into you know how we can adapt this technology within the fraud prevention space then i do believe we're going to be winners coming out of it mm -hmm. what are the biggest risks in venturing into this space as an entrepreneur biggest risk in um, venturing into fraud prevention mm -hmm. or um, i think the market is there's all sorts of uh, it's it's not like it's not greenfield it's not blue ocean mm -hmm. um, call it whatever you want it is a market that is somewhat diluted um, i mean ever there's been fraud ever since somebody put the first checkout button on a website like 30 40 how many ever years ago um, and people started doing dishonest activity related to, to that so there had to have been solutions way back the question is like what is the best new solution and the mm -hmm. best next solution and year over year, I do see new um, fraud prevention startups popping up, focusing on like niche, smaller niche, um, uh, fine details and feature sets. And I think that's that's why I mentioned like the, from our perspective, it's mainly about becoming that system of records, so you can actually rip and replace those old dinosaur mm -hmm. solutions that existed um, that started 10 15 years ago who've been acquired since but we've seen a lack of innovation from them yeah my last question for you as an under 30 europe alum what is one thing that you want to tell the under 30 community is there a piece of advice and they don't know about you what is your message to the under 30s to the under 30s there's a quote i love um which is um you cannot teach a man anything you can only help him to find it within himself um, that's a quote I like. If you're leading people, like always keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, you shouldn't be, I'm not a micromanager type. I do like to give direction um, and, and lead. Uh, lead in a way where it's best for me if you find the solution and I've helped you, guide you to the path of finding it. That's mm -hmm. like my main, um, something that I've been thinking about in terms of growing as a leader over the past uh, year or two, I'd say, now that we're a uh, 250-person operation. Um, so maybe that's a good takeaway and, and a good way to close up this conversation. Totally. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.